Venerable Matt Talbot once said, Man can fly from everything in nature, but he cannot fly from himself. Welcome to the 14th episode of St. Divna's Playbook, the SDP if you want to be cool. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth, one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because a lot of us feel like we just want to run away from our problems, but we can't run away from ourselves. And we have the strength within us to reach out for help, face our struggles head on, and find the healing we so deeply seek. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, David emailed to ask, I wonder if you heard what the Pope said about a little girl who ran up during a recent general audience. I was there. It was fire. Maybe you want to comment on what he said. Thank you, David, for tossing this one in the hat. For those who didn't read about it, here's what happened. A young girl suffering from an unknown illness walked up the steps to where the Pope was sitting. The Pope told his security detail to let her be. God speaks through children, prompting the crowd to erupt in applause. While greeting the Italian-speaking pilgrims at the end of the audience, Pope Francis reflected on the young girl who is a victim of an illness and doesn't know what she is doing. That's his quote. Here's what he said. Quote, I ask one thing, but everyone should respond in their heart. Did I pray for her? Looking at her, did I pray so that the Lord would heal her, would protect her? Did I pray for her parents and for her family? When we see any person suffering, we must always pray. The situation helps us to ask this question. Did I pray for this person that I have seen, this person that is suffering? I found the Pope's response to be such an important point for us to consider. It was clear that this girl was dealing with some sort of illness, be it mental health, intellectual disability, or a physical health issue that leads to difficulty with cognition. And I have to give it to him because he reacted and responded in the moment with such peace and comfort. And then, as he often does, he dropped a big challenge on all of us. Too often, we become nothing more than voyeurs. Voyeurs? I don't know. I'm not French. But we <laughs> we become voyeurs when we see people suffering. We drive past a car accident and slow down to see what we can see. We see homeless folks sleeping on the sidewalk and do nothing more than stare at them to see what state they're living in. And we see those suffering from mental illness, acting in a way that doesn't line up with our expectations, and watch them as if it's some cheap form of entertainment. I'm guilty of this. I'll place myself at the front of the line. But as the Pope mentioned, we need to take a moment to examine ourselves. What do we do? Do we pray for these people? Pray that the Lord would keep them safe, heal them, take care of them, or do we just look? Do we feel compelled to act in charity, even with the smallest of responses, like a kind word or a smile? Do we respond as Christ would want us to respond? Or do we just look upon our fellow sisters and brothers who are suffering as something of interest, something to fear, something other than what they are, Christ himself? I think the situation with the girl walking up to the Pope gives us an excellent moment to stop and examine ourselves and pray that we may respond as he challenged us to do moving forward, starting right now, today. Next up, Anonymous checked in with this one. I really appreciated your take in a past episode on not having to be perfect before dating. Thank you, Anonymous. But how can we also be smart about not getting into unhealthy relationships? I'm close to a couple of people who have been in abusive marriages, and I think it's made it hard for me to trust the person I'm dating, especially when I see any brokenness or potential issues. I don't want to be naive, but I don't want to be paranoid either. 
Awesome question, Anonymous, and one that I'm sure a lot of listeners are working on in their own lives right now. So yes, all of us are broken in one way or another, and it's important to remember that when getting involved in relationships, be them friendships or romantic ones. And at the same time, we have to make sure to take care of ourselves. We have to pay attention to see when a relationship might be unhealthy for us and the person that we're with. And we have to take steps to ensure we are taking care of our own mental health and wellness in the midst of our relationship. So there's a balance. We have to cut people slack for their brokenness and make sure that someone's brokenness isn't breaking us. Healthy relationships are based on a few ideas, mutual respect, trust, honesty, support, fairness and equality, separate identities, good communication, and a sense of playfulness and fondness. To help you be on the lookout for when a relationship may be drifting into the wrong territory, consider these hallmarks of unhealthy relationships. Feeling pressure to change who you are. Feeling worried when you disagree. Feeling pressure to quit activities you used to enjoy. Noticing one of you has to justify your actions. Noticing one partner feels obligated to have sex or has been forced to. Having a lack of privacy and may uh, may be forced to share things with the other person, everything. Noticing arguments that are uh, not settled fairly. Experiencing yelling or physical violence during an argument. Attempting to control or manipulate each other. Noticing your partner attempts to control how you dress and criticizes your behaviors. Having no common friends or having a lack of respect for each other's friends and family. Or noticing unequal control of resources like food, money, home, cars, etc. Shout out to the University of Washington for pulling together these helpful boundaries. And I'll pray for you, Anonymous, that you can keep an eye on your relationship with these helpful guideposts to ensure that they are ones that will help you grow in holiness and happiness. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request. And today I'm here to introduce you to St. Andrew Kim Tagon. First native Korean priest, Andrew Kim Taegon was the son of Christian converts. His parents were both martyred for practicing the faith and set an example for Andrew that would carry him through his entire life. Following his baptism, at the age of 15, he traveled to the seminary in China. After six years, he managed to return to his country, and when he came home, he was assigned to arrange for more missionaries to enter by a water route that would help them elude the border patrol. He was caught because of this important work and was arrested, tortured, and finally beheaded at the Han River near the capital of Seoul. His last words were, This is my last hour of life. Listen to me attentively. If I have held communication with foreigners, it has been for my religion and for my God. It is for him that I die. My immortal life is on the point of beginning. Become Christians if you wish to be happy after death, because God has eternal chastisements in store for those who have refused to know him. He was canonized by Pope John Paul II in 1984 alongside 102 other Korean martyrs, and his feast day and theirs is September 20th. St. Andrew Kim Taegon is another example of a saint who persevered through the grief of losing family and found hope in Christ in the darkest of moments. May we follow his example as we walk through our own dark valleys on the way to our eternal reward. We like to close this part of the podcast out with a prayer, so let's go. 
O God, who have been pleased to increase your adopted children in all the world, and who made the blood of the martyr St. Andrew Kim Taegon and his companions a most fruitful seed of Christians, grant that we may defend, be defended by their help and profit always from their example through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Helen kicks us off. What are some tips for parents of big families looking to improve their mental and spiritual health? My father is a fireman and my mother stays at home with eight kiddos and neither seems to know how to take a good time in their life to live their vocation well. Let's first start off by praying for Helen's parents and all families wishing they could push forward with their mental and spiritual health, but are unsure how to accomplish it, that they may be guided by the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. When you're working and raising a family, it can be so hard to take care of yourself, and many of us would probably have to admit that we think we're doing something meritorious by sacrificing ourselves for our families, when in reality, we're neglecting ourselves and leaving ourselves with less in the tank to take care of that very family we love and cherish so much. So first, we have to recognize the need for self-care and really value it in our lives. It does nobody any good for us to drain ourselves completely without filling ourselves back up. All it does is leave us in a position where we can't give 100% and where we're more easily frustrated, angry, and prone to feeling depressed. So I've got a couple ideas. Step one, prayer. It's a Catholic show. Whenever you're, <laughs> um, wherever you are at right now with your family's prayer life, take a tiny step forward. If you aren't praying at all with your family, try to start with prayer before meals and prayer before bed. If you're already doing that, try to add in some prayer during the day with your family, modeling that prayer is always a part of our lives. And if you're the kind of family who's already doing more than that, try and figure out some way to push forward a little more. The liturgy of the hours, the chaplet, or something else that you feel called to. Step two, daily mass. Yes, I know I joke about how crappy daily mass times are all the time, but if you can figure out a way to squeeze in a daily mass once a week or once every other week or once a month, you've got to take that opportunity. Daily mass is a transformative experience and will quite literally change your focus in your life back to being on Christ and power you up through God's grace to keep you fixed on that focus. Step three, engage in a hobby of some kind. I am 100% guilty of not doing this, so I'm happy to stand at the front of the line once again. But having a hobby that you engage in and enjoy is an excellent form of self-care. And no, you shouldn't feel guilty about doing the hobby every once in a while because the purpose of the hobby is to help you engage in self-care and build yourself back up to be a better member of your family. As long as that's your focus and you're doing it for the right intention, it's going to be exactly what you need to help your mental health and well-being. Try starting by making a list of things that are relaxing that you enjoy and then planning to do one of those things each week. Anonymous is up next. What is the difference between homesickness and depression and at what point would you say it starts to become necessary to take measures to alleviate the anxiety that homesickness causes? 
Thanks so much for tossing this one my way, Anonymous. Trying to figure out the line is something that all of us wonder about from time to time, so let's figure it out together. If you've listened to this podcast before, you probably have a hunch where I'm going to start here. The most crucial difference lies in our ability to function, our ability to take care of ourselves, to show up for our responsibilities, to hang out with friends, to focus and concentrate, and all those other things we need to make it through our daily lives. All of us have felt homesick, be it when we went away to college, had to move for work, or just no longer lived near the comfort of our home for one reason or another. But if we're able to continue on with our activities of daily living, able to otherwise function, we were probably just dealing with typical homesickness. Depression and anxiety, right, can be kicked off due to homesickness, but that's a whole different ballgame. Think of it this way. If you could look at your life and place your thumb over the homesick feeling you experience, would everything else look normal? If so, it's probably just that. However, if you were covering up the homesickness but looking at your life still saw other areas of concern, it's probably time to reach out for help. And as I've said before, if you think you might need help for depression or even just homesickness, like therapy, for example, perhaps it is time to give it a go. There's no rule that once you start therapy, you have to keep going forever and ever. It's always an option to try it out, start and see if it's needed once you've gone a couple of times and then reassess, quit, go on either way. We'll be praying for you. A different anonymous wraps us up here. I have grown up Catholic my entire life, and my faith has always been the most important thing in my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression for about four and a half years. When this all started up, my faith took a big hit. It's gotten better over time, but I still struggle with it a lot. I often question the worth of my own life compared to others. Two years ago, I was studying abroad in London and had plans to be at at the London Bridge one night. The tickets my friend and I got uh, online didn't go through because we were using American credit cards, so we decided to go elsewhere. That night, there was a terrorist attack on the bridge. Seven people died, and my friends and I could have easily been there at the time. This sent my already... Uh, my already existing poor mental health spiraling. People kept telling me that my guardian angel was looking out for me, but that made me question, where were the guardian angels for the seven people that died? What makes my life more important than theirs? What an incredible question to explore. And, And how about we take a moment to pray for all those killed in this specific attack, as well as all those who have lost their lives in terrorist attacks, and all those left behind, family, friends, survivors, first responders, and those whose lives took a turn that put them in a different place at the time of the attack. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I might be a bit more skeptical of things than the typical Catholic, but here's my thought, Anonymous. While I obviously do believe that God or our guardian angel can nudge us in certain directions, I also wouldn't want to count out coincidences. I know that we all have a strong desire to see our life as being directed from above, and we tend to see things like what happened to you as playing out because of the forces watching over us, the forces in control of the universe. But I also see the danger in over-spiritualizing things, specifically like the question you're now left asking yourself. 
If you were saved by the intervention of your guardian angel, what's with all the other guardian angels who were supposed to be helping the poor souls who lost their lives or were injured? Is your life somehow more valuable than theirs? And as you mentioned, this can send our minds spinning and racing into guilt, questioning everything, and it's all too much for us to handle. So to sum up, does God intervene in the life of his beloved children here on earth? Most certainly, yes, this does happen from time to time. However, is it healthy to see the world with eyes that see everything intentionally directed by God, like God causing every single thing directly? I don't think it is. Not that he doesn't know everything that's going to happen or that he doesn't bring good out of suffering or evil in the world, but I think it's a step too far to consider it all caused by him in a sense. That was something I had to grapple with when my wife and I held our dying son in our arms back in 2016, wondering why God wouldn't intervene to save his life despite intervening to save the lives of other children. And now it's something that you have been dealing with after this attack in London. And it's something we all have to deal with in one way or another. And what flipped the switch for me in my mind was realizing that while God doesn't intentionally cause things to happen that bring us suffering, he does permit them for a reason. And that reason is our sanctification, our growth in holiness. Everything that happens in your life, in my life, and in the lives of those seven people on that bridge in London, everything that happens to us is meant to turn us into saints. And we need to take a step back to realize that we have a limited view of the universe, a limited view of God's plan for all of us. So in one sense, we can look and say, well, I was alive. I'm still here and all these other people died. So God must think there's some special purpose for me. And maybe that's true. But if we can take it a step up and kind of look from God's perspective, we might be able to see that those people who died, their death set off some chain of grace that was released into the world that's going to save the souls of countless others. My own son, when he died, he he saved our entire family. He turned all of us onto a path of holiness and wanting to get to heaven more than ever before. So I think it's important to remember that everyone's life has purpose and value. And maybe we just don't see it because we see death as an end, even though we intellectually believe in heaven. But for God, all of these things that happen can lead to the salvation of so many, and that's what he desires more than anything else. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna.